We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia where this podcast was recorded and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. The beginning of an architecture project usually starts with some form of communication. It can be a conversation over a coffee, through an email with a client listing a dozen items that they must have, or standing in an old building with a bunch of people describing what they can see in their head while they gesticulate in the direction of where new windows and walls could be. After this, everyone wants to agree on what was just discussed, so there's as little difference between what was implied and what was inferred. To do this, an architect will usually start making drawings. This process is so successful that architects are now synonymous with drawings. Even the idea of building something without a drawing sounds like a paradox. This makes architects experts in explaining what the end result of a project will look and feel like, which helps minimise the chance of clients turning up to a building site and being surprised by what's been built. It may be second nature to architects, but even when a project has literally hundreds of drawings, it can still be difficult to understand what's going to end up on site. I'm Daniel Moore, and in today's episode of Hearing Architecture, we've asked architects from around Australia why drawings are so important to the profession of architecture and how drawings can help communicate to clients and the wider community. There are a lot of different mediums that an architect can choose to draw with. Most firms have adopted some form of computer-aided drafting or CAD, while a few still only draw by hand. But there are a lot of firms that use any medium they think will work best in order to get to the core of the design. Peter Stutchbury has been drawing by hand for his whole career and is still producing some of Australia's most iconic projects. Here Peter introduces us to the way in which drawing can tell a story about a project to his clients, but also about the person who created the drawing. Your drawing is your personality. I'll show you a drawing on my desk I'm doing at the moment, you know, a section. Section's the most important drawing. Plans, you know, plan can be important, but at the end of the day, section is where the, where the life happens. And then it's a skill we're losing, of course, you know, and we, 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 don't have it, we don't do any master classes with computers, they're all with hand drawings, and it's remarkable how good people are with hand drawings. But once you develop ownership of your drawing style, a drawing is, represents your qualities. And I don't mean your drawing qualities, I mean your qualities as a person, you know, you can see your preferences in a drawing, you can see, you can see joy, you can see spirit, you can see life in a drawing. You can't see it in a computer image. You just can't, no matter whether it's 3D or whatever. You can see image making, but you can't see life, life coming from beyond what we really know. You know, it's almost a sort of an inspired moment. And I think for me, there's always one drawing which takes me to my new world to the place I haven't been to before. And that's usually the drawing I develop. You know, mind you, it happens a lot in my head before it goes on the, on the paper too. You know, but this morning, I'm doing a presentation on Friday, so I'm getting all the drawings done for Sammy, who's putting it together. And I'll show you the section I'm doing at the moment, but 
This morning I was looking at another design I'm doing as well, and I was imagining this building sitting on this rock ledge and I imagined all the things I thought about beforehand and how it is now and how accurate it is to the beauty of the place and to the expectations of the owners of the clients but more so I was thinking about how I was going to draw it because I'm not going to draw it the same way as I'm drawing this one at the moment I'm going to draw it differently I'm going to draw it with much more emphasis on the rock ledge so that you'll see this rock ledge, and it's a beautiful rock ledge, you'll see it dominate, and you'll see this settlement on it, almost like an ant's nest, you know? And so I'm changing my drawing style a little bit in order to communicate something quite different, in order to communicate a different sort of settlement. Drawing is you. It's what you do, you know, and, and I'll never forget, and this is a very important story for you and for other architects. There was an exhibition of Marion Maloney, Walter Billy Griffin's wife, who both worked for Frank Lloyd Wright, exhibition of her drawings at the Art Gallery. And I walked into this exhibition and I was totally mesmerised by these drawings. They were just so beautiful. It was architecture, but it was, it was art and it was her. I could feel her. I could sense her in the drawings. I could, I could sense that she was a very precise person. She was very accurate. She was, she was disciplined, she had, but she was romantic and she was, she was wide-eyed and she was open-minded and you could see it. It was clear. But what most sort of struck me is that it was art just before architecture split second before the architecture and that that romanced me and I promised that day that I would always do hand drawings for all my presentations and I'm doing one right now. That was Peter Stutchbury from Peter Stutchbury Architects based in Sydney. Hand drawings are beautiful and can be linked to other examples of fine art but as a project progresses the need for accuracy in drawing increases. Shanine Fanton and Belinda Orwood talk about how different types of drawings can be used through the various stages of design, as well as how drawing by hand can help people connect to what's being drawn. The concept drawing phase is really important, and concept drawings for us are loose, they're evocative, they're there to inspire people and to help them see the potential a project has. These uh, can be done by hand or they could be done digitally as photo montages or as a combination of the two. But they need to be done quickly and be loose and evocative because when you start getting into 3D modelling, it requires a lot more precision and time up front uh, and you can get a bit bogged down in that process because the concept design phase is about uh, testing the brief, the client's brief, and also about exploring the opportunities and the constraints a project and a project site have to offer. This phase is important because it's uh, testing responses to the functional brief for the client. Uh, and probably the, the plan, the uh, concept plan is, is the important drawing to test that functional brief. Whereas I think um, sections are important because they start to express how the design responds to that brief um, as a, as a three-dimensional form. 
I think that um, nothing replaces the mind-to-hand process and that it's fast and intuitive and lovely. And it's really interesting having um, raising children in this generation who spend a lot of time on their screens. What we know from educational teaching and science is that when you write something or draw something with your hand, you're much more likely to remember it and recall it and understand it than if you just read it off a screen. So we enjoy that mind-to-hand process and try and undertake it as much, well, in the beginning of every project. Because POD also does community engagement and other report-related work, I'm a real fan of infographics and party diagrams because I think those things depict information to the public really quickly um, and comprehensively, whereas any kind of architectural drawing, if it's not a 3D, requires people to have some ability to read um, a drawing in some detail. And it's amazing how many humans don't have great reading abilities in terms of plan or section. And what they need is 3Ds or models or infographics or party diagrams. That was Shanine Fanton and Belinda Orwood from POD, based in Queensland. As Shanine and Belinda shared, there are a lot of drawing styles to choose from, and each style illustrates something different. So finding the right drawing that illustrates to a client or counsel what you're talking about can be as unique as the idea itself. Joe Aegeus shares his thoughts on how drawings illustrate the essence of an idea, and how being able to draw by hand is still an important skill for architects today. Drawing at the end of the day is merely communication. If you look at the etymology of the word drawing, it's to bring out the essence of something. So if you're drawing a scene by a river, what you're doing is you're bringing out the essence of what it is you're looking at. And if you look at the skills that an architect has to communicate, there's obviously the oratory skill, the ability to verbally describe, excite, explain to a client or a community or a stakeholder group, Uh, but there's also the skill of drawing. And I think the most successful architects have the capacity to draw in front of a client. So um, obviously quite often we would prepare our drawing sitting at our drawing boards or at our computers in our desk and then we would present the finished product. Um, I I think the skill and the capacity to either draw on a piece of paper or on a a screen in front of a client and with a client or with a group of people is an incredibly powerful and useful tool that every architect should have in their armory along with their oratory um, uh, skills. So it's it's very important to to that end. I wouldn't underestimate the aspect of theatre in drawing. Um, You know, we remember uh, Mr Squiggle on the ABC, uh, but as a child I was fascinated by the way an object would emerge um, through the drawing process. It's the same with clients and buildings. They like to see architects actually draw. It's entertainment to some extent, Uh, but it's also a useful way of communicating more importantly. That was Joe Ajayas from Cox Architects based in Sydney. 
Some people are better conceptual thinkers and others are more practical. When architects are going to present the design to a client, they have to make a decision. Do they focus on the concepts behind the design they're presenting or do they highlight all of the practical advantages of the design? Amelia Borg, Nicholas Braun and Timothy Moore discuss what they've gone through as a firm when they're presenting to different clients. It's a conversation that we often have in the office about how far do you go in trying to represent the thing that you're designing and we often have uh, lengthy conversations around the idea of showing the idea or whether or not you sort of try and make it an exact rendering or replica of, of the design. And for us, I think we've developed a suite of different techniques in order to uh, communicate the projects and the designs. But in the end, I think that for our clients, or we find that the thing that is most useful is showing the sort of social aspects of the projects and how, how it's intended to be inhabited by the users. So rather than showing, I guess, empty form-like drawings. For us, I think that, especially when we're working in public and community projects, that really showing how the users will end up sort of inhabiting the space is the thing that often brings them along in the process and helps them to understand the value that we're creating through um, the space. Um, Responding to Amelia, it's quite phenomenal when you look at Swiss architectural photography and documentation, or if you look at architectural photography in the 1990s where it's not populated with people. Mm. And uh, most Australian architects will have people in their building projects Mm. today. And so it's really important, as you say, to show use, and not only um, with the architectural outcome, the the building, but also in the representation through the renders to the clients Mm. as well. Yeah, and I think it's just... um Yeah, often I think we can overlook how sort of trained we are to understand drawings and often, yeah, I think we sort of, we don't realise how, maybe how technical or difficult it is for someone who perhaps isn't trained to understand those drawings. So, yeah, I know that um, we often make the time to make sure that we sort of explain um, the drawings to our clients and um, try and think of other ways rather than just like heavy drawings um, to communicate the ideas and the spaces. Yeah, I think, you know, as architects, we have a a toolkit of different techniques that we can use to uh, express our designs. And I don't think that championing one type of drawing over another is necessarily the right approach, but maybe it's more about uh, understanding what you're trying to say and then using those tools to to get that message across. Mm. Yeah, so I don't think we've got, like, a standard exact like I think it does vary from project to project that a section might explain something better than a plan or a 3d view or diagrams even I mean are a really important tool for getting ideas across um, one one technique that we've actually recently um, experimented a little bit with is doing a VR experience for our clients <laughs> um, so rendering out the living space of a house and then giving them to our clients to put the VR um, headset on and experience it in that way. And that was a pretty funny (laughs) meeting. Um, But, yeah, in some ways I think it really helped them to understand the nature of the space and things that we'd shown to them in two dimensions before they sort of didn't quite comprehend in the same way. So I think, as Nick said, like having the the sort of toolkit uh, working together is, is good. That was Amelia Borg, Nicholas Braun and Timothy Moore from Sibling, based in Melbourne. 
So, what should happen if a client still doesn't understand a design after they've been shown a variety of drawing types to explain a project? If a drawing is meant to communicate something and it can't communicate what you want, what are the client and architect meant to fall back on? Joe Reese tells us about what she uses in her office when drawings can't convey her ideas. I think how do you actually get your ideas across best? And my understanding, having been practicing for 21 years since I graduated and it took me 10 years to finish graduating, so quite a while now, is it's all about talking. What we're doing now is the best way of getting your ideas across. So when I have clients frequently who can't read drawings and sometimes they can't understand a 3D CAD model because I make those and sometimes they even struggle with a cardboard model because I make those too for people who really don't get it. They still don't understand what's going on. The best way is for me to walk them through the space, whether it's on the site or with the plans, I walk them through and describe it to them. So talking and being able to convey ideas, I think is the greatest asset of an architect. I do really enjoy making CAD models. I love them. I spent thousands of hours as a student making them really love them but I don't think that they're the greatest tool that we have at our disposal because you can make a fairly crappy piece of architecture look really shiny and nice with a good CAD model very seductive even so I don't think they are the most conducive tools for good architecture and good outcomes I think we have a better way of getting better outcomes with our architecture progressing to a point where most people think they can afford to engage with an architect, want to engage with an architect, by doing less of that expensive IT high-tech stuff and more on talking, communicating, more on simple drawings, simple sketches, not elaborate, just ideas that connect with people and aren't fussy. So you connect your ideas with words and, and discussion. I think that's the critical aspect of architecture that will push us forward, leave behind the slick technology. <laughs> that was Joe Rees from Ajara Architects based in the Northern Territory. Traditionally, one of the main tools architects use is trace paper. That's because design ideas take a lot of trial and error to figure out. Some people think that sketching on trace will soon become a thing of the past because of computers, but some of the traditional mediums still have their advantages. Damien Madigan explains why architects still sketch by hand, but also do other sketches using computers as well. I think we still sketch, because, you know, that, that classic thought of when you're sitting across a meeting table from someone, you know, you're not going to whip out the computer to, to mm -hmm. knock something up. Although, the iPad has, uh, particularly with the pencil, has um, you know made a, a difference there, and people can sketch digitally now, mm -hmm. like they haven't before. But I think for for most people, being able to take a you know a red um, point six uh, across a, a printed set of drawings is it's very live and um, very necessary and very productive. So you can come out of a meeting with that almost as a template for where the next you know hours or days of work are coming from. 
And I think people appreciate that because they can take the pen from your hand and say, oh, well, I was thinking this, you know, yes. and, they, and they draw it. So I think architects still sketch, but maybe it's more of a live process yes. than, um, um, than it used to be. I think the idea of sketching, though, can be unpacked a little bit um, in terms of digital sketches. I think what architects are becoming increasingly good at, um, because it's becoming increasingly necessary, is the diagram. Mm. So moving away from just relying on the traditional site plan, floor plan, elevation section in terms of communicating a project into diagrams that say, and this is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's particularly important when you're trying to show the overarching idea behind, well, why why is this building, you know, split into three parts? Mm -hmm. You know, you can show a floor plan until the cows come home, but you might have a simple 3D diagram with some colour coding on it that explains why it's segregated in the way that it is and what they're what the opportunities for the spaces between those elements create. So, oh yeah, I, I think we'll always sketch. It will, um, it, it will be more reliant on digital techniques. There's no doubt about that. But we, we sketch because we have to sketch in the moment. That was Damien Madigan from Madigan Architects, based in Adelaide. Even though some complex drawings can say a lot, sometimes saying less in a drawing is just as powerful. Andrew Maynard shares why he also believes diagrams are one of the most important drawings to share with clients who are trying to understand a building. The diagram is something that, before I got incredibly frustrated with teaching, the one thing I was trying to gift to students was buildings are complex, and if you go and you show somebody a a beautiful render of, of a space, they're going to zoom into the bits you don't want to them to focus on. Um, but if you didactically explain what you're trying to achieve, and so I talk to the guys in the office about this all the time. So a building's complex, break it down into bite-sized pieces so you get points of agreements. So right, our, our first approach is this, it's to site, and what we're doing is orientating that way, and, and, um, and you know, our circulation goes across the site this way. When you come into the plan, what we're doing is putting private spaces here, open shared spaces there, divided by this circulation path and just get points of agreement along the way. If you just try to put it all in one image, you don't control the discussion anymore and things will get sidetracked. Um, so the diagram is fundamental to getting a project moving forward. But I, that idea of getting lost in a conversation where you, you and the client aren't quite on the same page, if you can just pull out, if you can just quickly do a, a diagram, that quite often that can work. Here's a diagram, this is what I mean. A couple of simple arrows and it's like, ah, right. That's what all of that complexity in that 3D model is about. Uh, So the diagram is so important, but really easy to leave behind as you get busier and as you get more experienced. You think, why am I? It's obvious, isn't it? Well, no, it is really not obvious. That was Andrew Maynard from Austin Maynard Architects based in Melbourne. Because some drawings are only two-dimensional, it's hard for some people to visualise what's in a drawing. That's why some architects like Lee Hillam use sketch models to demonstrate a design. Here, Lee tells us about using sketch models and how these simple objects help her clients understand the spaces in her designs. Well, if I'm talking to a client, I don't, I don't necessarily show them plans and sections at all. I mean, I'll show them to them, but you can see that they're not really understanding it most of the time. So what we tend to do is build really quick, rough little card and balsa models. And there, you know, they've got a little They've got a lot of charm about them. So if you sit a pile of drawings on a, on a table and a model on the table, 
immediately everyone's attention is on the model. You can't get people to concentrate on the drawings. So that's what we've also found, is if you want people to look at the drawings, you, you have to keep the model away because otherwise everyone just wants to play with the dollhouse. You know, it's this fixation with that object. But we'll use it to design as well. And so sometimes they're, they're quite rough and ready. You know, they, they get ripped apart and put back together and we'll, we'll, we'll still do a lot of stuff that way. But the other thing we found, especially with larger groups where there's a lot more people to get on board with community groups, is that making little diagrams that are attached to, you know, a, a small phrase or an idea. You know, we might not even be talking to them about what the design is, but we're talking to them about what are the strategic ideas behind this project that will get everyone moving in the same direction. And they're, people are more used to working in that way and discussing words and things. And they might be, sometimes they're just very, you know, they might be a little bit twee or a little bit corny, but they're just something that people can, can fix on. So, you know, for example, there's one project at the moment, we're just formulating these um, little kind of vision statements for this project at the moment. But one of them might be, it, we're toying with at the moment, is if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's an old building that we're working with. So what we've got to do is find out what are all the bits of this building that work? You know, if there's people who are using that building and they like the, the way it functions for their purposes, we've got to make sure that we don't obliterate that in whatever we do. So it's not just looking at, you know, oh, that door works so we won't fix it, but it's also what functionality is working and don't fix it. So then you might get, you know, a tiny little diagram that is somehow um, representing that, or it might be just a, a, you know, a couple of words and a little paragraph explaining what you mean. Um, uh, there might be other things, um, like another project that we did, which is, again, another old, old project, but it had, um, it, it seems to have a lot of stories about it. And some of these stories are very um, proper stories. You know, it's a war memorial. So there's, you know, official histories about the people in that district that went off to war. But then if you go back into the dressing rooms of this old theater, there's all this graffiti on the walls where people have said, you know, Sharon loves Davo, you know, 1983 or something. And so we're just talking in that project about the stories of the place and how that protecting those and really bringing those up into people's understanding and um, the way they perceive the building is really an important thing. So I think with a client, a little phrase or a little diagram is the most important thing. For me, I love the models. <laughs> <laughs> that was Lee Hillam from Dun & Hillam Architects based in Sydney. Sometimes looking at the simplest diagrams at the beginning of a project are the most important. There are times when even the brief itself has some flaws that might get in the way of what the client wants to achieve. Stephen Posmus tells us a story about the importance of testing a brief and how one of their projects used an unconventional sketch to show how a project could achieve more than they originally thought. I mean, just reflecting on for us, like some of the drawings that have really helped change things or set a direction was um, for us was a word sketch with a client. We had um, we were approached to do a, a renovation of a, a fa Italian family business in Myre. It was a tile shop. And they wanted us, they approached us and said, you know, we've got, you know, a budget. We want you, could you please draw up some Lucabon cladding to our building? We want to make it modern. And uh, so Justin and I kind of, we went through the whole sort of process and walking around the site, looking at it, realizing, well, actually there's some really important things to achieve in this, this renovation. 
you know, there's sure there's the modernization, but there's the, an entrance, the clarity, car parking, memory, uh, memory, memory, a space for the staff. Like there were lots of little things. We just said to the client, if you do this, you've got no money left, and we actually think you need other things. So, would you mind if we took a step back and just revisited the brief and did some research? So we did that for probably about four weeks came up with a scheme but we didn't necessarily show them that but we distilled it into three pictures and three words and we put those three images together and said this is how we think your project should be and and that was really the starting point completely changed the way they thought about it and they could see we were actually trying to, to do both and address other things as well so yeah so for us I think that was one of our first projects but I think Justin and I are just, just super proud of where it started and where it finished and, and mm. how far we actually moved with the client to the point where that kind of proscenium curtain, which was illuminated and covered their building. So at nighttime backdrop, you can see the Italianness of it. It's actually a stainless steel curtain and it was all done. They loved it. And But one of the brothers said, well, you know, I, I absolutely love it, but... I must admit, being a tile shop, we had a lot of trouble coming to grips with a stainless steel curtain, um, but they kind of love it. And uh, they had an opening, and it was so sweet. The nonna came out, she gave us a big hug and kiss and thanked us for our efforts and just really loved it and I think could see that we were yeah trying to weave those sorts of two things. Mm. But that was very simple. Three ideas and three words, which is kind of like a sketch obviously a lot of work to kind of sort of to get to that point. That was Stephen Posmus from Kappa, based in Perth. In any profession, some decisions seem like common sense to the experts. In architecture, one example might be designing with a consideration to where north is and how the sun will change between summer and winter. If this is left out of the design conversation, the client might think that the shape and size of a roof has been designed at random. Jessica Mountain and Emily Van Eyck share their thoughts on how including simple diagrams early in the process can help explain to clients why they've made certain decisions in their designs. Well, I think for Emily and I, for clients, we have a bit of a, a mixture of drawings. I mean, at schematic design phase, we typically have some sketches that we've done and actual hand drawings in addition to computer drawings and usually a computer-generated model. Um, But we find that having the addition of the hand drawings with the computer-generated model just helps to really illustrate some of these fundamental ideas that you've had right from the beginning and just how they can be carried through to the plan that you've ended up with. For instance, maybe some sun direction or there's a particular tree that you're trying to face or views, wind, all of these things. We kind of are always ticking away in the background of our brains and as we draw. Mm but kind of making sure that we actually illustrate these on the paper, piece of paper or the sketch for the client um, so they can understand where your design and where your design movements have actually been dictated from. Um, we just find it really helps to instill your ideas and confidence in the clients and they get really excited about that as well and they, they do love hand drawings. Yeah, yeah. Well. And they, um, like, I mean, we love beautiful drawings that speak entirely for themselves. We would, we would draw that all day, but... The client doesn't necessarily understand how to draw an architectural drawing, but they can read really well and they can pick up uh, images 
perfectly fine like everyone else. So we talk about it as a personification of a drawing where we'll just use things that we're always taught to use and like people, dogs, actions, just words in drawings. And that seems to have a far greater effect than the pure architectural drawing. But clients themselves, I mean, they're not, they're not trained and they shouldn't have to rely on those skills. So the more you make it readable with illustrations and with text, the, the better it is for everybody. And in addition to that, it's almost creating a bit of a story or a narrative with the drawings that you give to the clients yeah. and talking them through and having them in a sp specific order and mm. how one relates to another. So we're trying to kind of treat that schematic design stage as more of a story and a narrative rather than getting too far into the detail. It's amazing once you add too much detail onto a drawing, the client suddenly wants to know what tile it is. Or, mm. you know. And the sketch design is really not about that. It's about your big gestures and your moves and why you're making them and those sketches and hand drawings seem to help accompany the architecture drawings. And then having the architecture drawings and the computer model is great as well because it's almost like they... <laughs> you can justify that you can actually do what you set out to do and a bit of confidence is instilled as well, I think. That was Jessica Mountain and Emily Van Eyck from Mount Eyck Architects based in Perth. It's not only clients who have a difficult time understanding architecture. Some council planners at first glance might really dislike the look of an architectural proposal, even though they understand drawings really well. Jane Weatherall shares a short story about a simple streetscape drawing that was able to get one of their projects through the town planning process. Years ago, when Jeff and I did Rodney Glick's house, which was just after I graduated, and um, it was quite a contentious design for the time and for, um, for the location. And we were having, it, we took, I think it was about two years to get development approval but what really took it across the line was an exercise where we drew the entire street elevation and but this was displayed um, to the council uh, and we were able to pick up you know, small parts in the in the street that talked to the industrial nature of of that area as well as the kind of more twee heritage buildings which is what they were encouraging and I think that drawing alone turned the council and we ended up getting approval for the project so I think a lot of being able to demonstrate projects in their context is important for clients and community so that they can make the leap and understand that you're going from A to B. That was Jane Weatherall from With Architects based in Perth. Architecture projects evolve over time through a lot of conversations with many different stakeholders. This is because every building has the potential to impact a lot of people. Professor Philip Tallis, who has an intimate understanding of how councils work, understands why analysing a building's design from multiple perspectives is fundamental to the success of a town planning application. Here, Philip talks us through the way drawings can be used to test design options before they're presented to a client or council. We've often made drawings that actually change clients' and councils' minds about a potential for the project. I think that's fundamental and it's really how you explain them. So we often lead clients and councils through a process from you know, initial site study and analysis of the condition, analysis of the controls, um, often show a number of schemes. But when we show a number of schemes, which people often call options, 
we only ever try to show options which we think are good. We don't show an option simply for the sake of variety. And we almost invariably recommend this from our expertise. This is the best option. So we looked at these things, some of these things compliant, the reason to break the rules, the reason to rethink your program is this. And so it's very, as an architect, you need to be able to persuade people. So you persuade them through talking, you persuade them through your knowledge of the project, you persuade them through drawing uh, and through analysis. So you need to use every technique you can in that process because you can't instruct people to change their mind. You can only take them with you by showing that there's a better way. And I must say, I now wear another hat as a city councillor and it's much the same with the general community. Again, you've got to show them, you've got to listen to what they say and come back with something which is uh, a balanced solution that accounts for their opinion but shows that there can actually be a way that, it, that um, includes that with a solution that they perhaps hadn't thought of. Because that's what you are, you're, you're the expert and you shouldn't ever shrug off your expertise. You should be confident in your expertise, but you can't arrogantly force that on people. That was Professor Philip Tallis from Hill Tallis Architects and Urban Projects, based in Sydney. Dick Jarman uses traditional sketching methods to test his designs in a similar way to how Professor Philip Tallis described. Here, Dick tells us how he experiences design through drawing by hand and how different methods of drawing can connect us to the craft of building. I sketch because I work things out by drawing them. It is my method. I don't sit and just imagine and see it in my head. I put a pen to paper and on that piece of paper and moving the pen around, I solve problems and work it out and I draw it again and scribble it this way and that way. And, and through that gesture of through my hand and pushing and pulling, I can create shapes. If I use a computer, there's a lot more setting. You've got to wait for it to boot up. You set it up to straight line and drawing these uh, loops and things is, is, is a lot more things you have to do before you can actually achieve any sort of tangible results. There are sketch pads and things on, on the computer, which I argue is just another form of sketching. But, and I think there are probably ways of pushing and pulling using uh, a number of software that I have seen students do sketch using that, and they're very poor sketches by hand. But for me, it's, it's an immediacy of, uh, I can control the, 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 the line weight, the, the wiggliness of the line, everything immediately through my hand. And that all helps. It's a conversation with the design as I work it out. There's a, a philosopher called Marshall McLuhan who talks about hot and cold medium. And what he means by that is, is your proximity to what you're working on. And if you're working through a computer, you're sort of distanced from the object. You're working through a keyboard and a mouse and other tools. And, and so that's, you're translating through something into something else. Whereas working by the hand, there's a, the immediacy and the infinitesimal change that you can do immediately. I think that is somewhat changing though, because when we used to build, we'd do drawings and they'd go off to a person who would do the technical drawings at uh, the shop drawings to be done and then it would be built. But the last few projects I've done with complex structure, I've done the drawing in CAD and that drawing itself was used to bend the steel and other things. So I think there's a new proximity to the work 
via computers as we now have mass customization and all sorts of exotic tools that come directly from the line I draw on the computer, which hasn't happened for a long time, given that shop drawings was a filtering between the two. That was Dick Jarman from Circa Morris Nunn, based in Hobart. Now, even though many architects in this episode of Hearing Architecture have mentioned how much they prefer sketches or diagrams, that doesn't mean it has to be everyone's favourite. Sue Dugdale tells us about her favourite type of drawing and why she uses it more than others when she's trying to communicate to her clients. When um, you want to communicate a project to a client, particularly early ideas, I think you really, really can't go past three-dimensional drawings um, and add a fly-through or a walk-through and it's even better. I suppose people experience the world in a three-dimensional way and so you're conveying something very immediate and very direct. It, it is harder for architects because you don't necessarily have a full 3D vision of the project yet. So there's a struggle between showing something that looks sort of complete, but you haven't worked it out completely. But still, I think um, they're the most helpful as they convey the most understanding to the greatest number of people. And they can be hand sketches or computer generated. And I guess now with the kind of programs, drafting programs that architects work with, they can be generated very early in the process of the project, which is helpful. It can be helpful in a rather scary way, as was demonstrated to me on a fairly recent project, which was a chapel for the um, garden cemetery here in Alice Springs. And I looked at some amazing recent designs for chapels from around the world, some really beautiful, timeless, pieces made of stone, you know, in Italy and and Japan and places like that. And I did this very stark design that was sort of spare and elemental and had no scale and so on and presented it to the cemetery committee and they hated it. They absolutely hated it. We almost lost the job on the spot. But um, fortunately, it had been prepared quickly and we knew we could do something else quickly. So we went back to the office and did this lovely design with a very enveloping roof and wide verandas and all these you know welcoming spaces and big doors and and they loved it so <laughs> so the 3d process in that case was it almost lost us the project but it was extremely help, helpful in getting us to connect strongly with the client's expectations and and what they saw as a positive aesthetic outcome that was sue dugdale from sue dugdale and associates based in the northern territory it doesn't matter whether an architect likes drawing with charcoal, ink, collage, Photoshop or building information modelling. At the end of the day, they're just trying to show people what they have in their head. There are just some drawing methods that make it easier to get a particular message across. Architects are able to think about all of these drawing techniques, like tools in a workshop, and they choose the best drawing tool to illustrate as clearly as possible what's happening in their design. And when a drawing doesn't work for a client, they can talk a client through the design at their own pace. Jeefa Greenaway, director of Greenaway Architects based in Melbourne, makes the point that it doesn't matter what architects use to draw with, because all drawing techniques are a form of communication. I have a real passion around the, the use and the value and what an architectural drawing should be. I started off originally as a technical draftsman. So drawing was really important, so understanding how one draws. And part of the inspiration of getting into architecture was that immediacy of mind to hand. So that ability and that dexterity to actually physically draw something. And so 
I do decry the days of being on the drawing board and actually being able to sketch and draw frequently. Everything now is mediated through technology and we use computer-aided design software packages which mimic physical drawing. So when I started I was documenting and drawing in rotaring pens on tracing paper and so I often tell students when I teach is a computer is a big pen. It's replicating the ability to actually draw and communicate through a physical artifact. And part of the, the joy of, of drawing is that quickness of mind to hand and the immediacy of that. But importantly, you know, there are a range of different drawings we tend to focus on. We tend to privilege the plan over everything and that is really an abstraction which people find difficult to understand. I find in many respects the section is actually a really important drawing because it enables you to understand the relationship of how it relates to and connects to the topography. It shows you the spatial quality in three dimensions. It shows you the relationship of the floor plane with the wall and the roof. So you start to then understand the tectonics of how a building connects and pieces together. And if you look at something like a, a slope site, you can really show how the building might sort of terrace down the hill, the relationship and its proximity to the ground plane. You can understand and, and relate to you know, sight lines and, and views. You can then look at you know, how you have that sort of distinction between solid and void, the, the thickness of the wall and the apertures and the views and the glazing and doors and windows and the like. So I think a section is a really critical drawing, but equally the ability to draw in three dimensions is a skill which is starting to be lost. The ability to actually draw in front of your client without relying wholly on the computer is something which very much seduces a client. It demonstrates that immediacy to respond and action uh, a level of feedback in a drawing and sketch over it, draw over it, provide little vignettes and drawings to demonstrate, well, is this what you mean, and be able to quickly craft a, a simple little diagram are really important. So the drawing to me is something that I think we should spend more time in developing and skilling up and using some of those um, resources we have, the books, and learn and to interrogate drawings. And that's what I did when I was younger is I used to really look at and interrogate drawings of other architects. And that taught me how to design and how to draw better, how to communicate better through drawing and looking at different stylistic ways of interpreting and then in presentations we're using drawings a lot so again it's about selling the vision and the idea and communicating it clearly and the it always comes back to communication. Drawing is a form of communication. This has been Episode 5 of Hearing Architecture. Thank you so much to everyone who's listened so far. The response has been fantastic. We'd especially like to thank everyone who's given us a rating and reviewed the podcast through the Apple Podcast app. If you haven't yet, please rate, review and subscribe because it really helps people find Hearing Architecture when they're searching for a new architecture podcast to listen to. This episode of Hearing Architecture featured the following guests. Peter Stutchbury, Shanine Fanton, Belinda Allwood, Joa Gius, Amelia Borg, Nicholas Braun, Timothy Moore, Joe Reese, Damien Madigan, Andrew Maynard, Lee Hillam, Stephen Posmus, Jessica Mountain, Emily Van Eyck, Jane Weatherall, Professor Philip Tallis, Dick Jarman, Sue Dugdale and Jeeva Greenaway.
The interviews in this episode were produced around Australia by Imagine Committee members Jamila Jahangiri, Daniel Hall, Kirsty Voles, Callie Marnane, Chris Morley, Sam McQueenie, Reese Curry, Brad Weatherall, Jess Beaver, Bede Taylor, Rebecca Webster, and Daniel Moore. The AIA production team was Daniela Crawley, Stacey Rodder, Monique Woodward, and Tom McKenzie. Produced by the Australian Institute of Architects Emerging Architects and Graduates Network in collaboration with Open Creative Studio. Written and directed by Daniel Moore. This content is brought to you by the Australian Institute of Architects Emerging Architects and Graduates Network in collaboration with Open Creative Studio. This content does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. This content does not constitute legal, financial, insurance or other types of advice. You should seek independent verification or advice before relying on this content in circumstances where loss or damage may result. The Institute endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published but does not accept responsibility for content that may or will become inaccurate over time.